Today we're going to talk about transformation and renewal, two very important parts of our salvation. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. says... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's stop right there. When I was a younger Christian, I, I, I would read that verse and say, present my body as a living sacrifice? That's a reasonable service? Is it? Yes. It is reasonable. Why is it reasonable? Well, think about what Jesus did for us. He didn't just present his body a living sacrifice. He died to pay for our sins. So is it a reasonable service? Yes, it is. But we're not going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about what we see in verse 2. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Two words I want to key on uh, in this message, transformed and renewed. Let's look at the real meaning of what transformed means. The word transform comes from the Greek word metamorpho. What does that make you think of? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is to change into something into a higher form. Now, whenever I think of metamorphosis, I always think of a butterfly, don't you? That's the best example that I can think of, of metamorphosis. Well, let's look at the butterfly for a minute. He starts out as an egg. He hatches out of the egg and becomes a caterpillar or the larvae, and he eats all the, all the leaves off your trees. And then he becomes a crystallis, which is a, a sleeping form. He gets in there and makes himself a little place to sleep, and he stays there for, for so many weeks or so. And then he comes out of there as a beautiful butterfly. So he is, he is metamorphosized from, a, from an egg to a caterpillar to a pupae to a beautiful butterfly. Now, I want you to think about that butterfly for a minute. Think about that butter, the metamorphosis of from, a butter, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. When that butterfly comes out of his chrysalis, he acquires something that he didn't have before, doesn't he? He has wings, and now he can fly. Did you ever see a caterpillar fly? I never did, but I see plenty of butterflies fly. That butterfly had something that he didn't have before. He was metamorphosized into a higher form. A butterfly is a higher form of, a, of an insect than a, than a caterpillar, right? They fly around. They even pollinate flowers. Isn't that nice? And they're beautiful. I've seen some pretty beautiful butterflies. I, although this year, I don't know. I haven't seen too many butterflies this year. I don't know what happened. Matter of fact, this has been a crazy year as far as rain and uh, 
We went for a walk the other day, and we saw rhododendrons blooming, blooming again. Rhododendrons usually bloom in the spring. Now this guy, this poor guy, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's blooming again. He probably thinks it's spring because of all the rain. And I haven't seen too much color. Matter of fact, up in Maine, I think Joe said that the, the leaves are just falling off the trees. They're not changing that much this year. That doesn't mean God made a mistake. That just, that's just the way, the way things are. But now what I would like you to do is compare the, the metamorphosis of a butterfly to the metamorphosis from an unbeliever to a believer. Think about that transportation, that transformation. We become a Christian, or when we become a Christian, we acquire something that we didn't have before. Just like the butterfly acquired something he didn't have before when he was a caterpillar, when we trust Christ as our Savior, we get something that we didn't have before. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, or made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved. When you were born into this world, I don't mean you, I mean we, all of us. When we were born into this world, we were born with a spirit that is dead and trespasses in sin. We inherited that spirit from Adam. Because Adam and Eve failed, we all have a spirit that is dead and trespasses in sin. But when we trust Christ as our Savior, we get something that we didn't have before. That's what Jesus meant when he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into his mother's womb and be born again? Nicodemus was thinking about spiritual birth. But Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. If you are born again, if you are saved, if you are a Christian, you have something that you didn't have before. You have a spirit that God gave you. God transformed you from a dead spirit to a living spirit. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to jump, jump, jump. Doesn't it? Isn't that nice? Think about that. Now, we're going to look a little bit about that spirit and what we can do with that spirit. But before we look at what we can do with the spirit, we need to ask the question, why do I need a new spirit? Why do I need a spirit? What's the purpose of, of, be, of me having a spirit? Ephesians 2 one said, You had the quicked who were dead in trespasses and sin. When, now I'm not going to get into you know, when Jesus, when God told Adam and Eve uh, on the day that you eat of the fruit of the vine, ye shall surely die. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in another message as far as what he meant by that. But suffice, suffice to say right now, this, when, <clears throat> when we get a new spirit, it's a spirit. It's not, a, it's not flesh. Now, yes. Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death has passed upon all men, for that all has sinned. That's two deaths. Physical death happens because of sin, because of Adam's sin, and because we inherited that. But physical, spiritual death also happens. 
when we are born, we are born with a spirit that's dead in trespasses and sin. It's physical and it's spiritual. And that new spirit was given to us when we trust Christ as a Savior. When we admit that we are a sinner and we believe that Jesus died to pay for our sins and we trust Christ as our Savior, God gives us a spirit. God quickens or makes alive that spirit which was dead in trespasses and sin. That does not happen by keeping the law. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith, by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. There is no place in the Old Testament where God tells Israel, if you keep the law, you will go to heaven. It's not there. He says, if you keep the law, I'll give you the rain in the right season, and I'll take care of your crops, and, I'll, and your animals won't, won't die. And there's several different places where God says what he will do if they keep the law. But he doesn't say, if you keep the law, you'll go to heaven, because by the law is the knowledge of sin. Why do you think Israel was so upset? Remember when, uh, by the way, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the people heard it. If you read in Exodus, they heard it too. And they were so afraid. As a matter of fact, when, it, when, it, when did, did I say Abraham? I meant Moses. Did I say Abraham? When Moses came down, he was in the presence of God for so long that his face was shining and he had to put a veil over his face. God gave them the law not so they can earn their way to heaven, but so, they, so that they can understand that they are sinners. The promise was given to Abraham that the Messiah will come. We're going to talk about that in another message. But let's just understand here that the Holy the Spirit is given to us when we're born again, not by the works of the law. Also, it's not by good works. A lot of people think that they... They have a, that God has a, a, a scale in heaven. And this side is the sin, and that side is the good works. And if the sin outweighs the good works, then we'll go to hell. But if the good works outweigh the sin, we'll go to heaven. Is that what the Bible teaches? The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Regeneration is, is two things happen when we regenerate it. We receive a spirit that was dead in trespasses and sin is quickened, and also we receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Know ye not that you are that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom ye have of God. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and abides with us and gives us the power that we need to have victory over our sin. It's not by works of righteousness. It's not by keeping the law. It's by trusting Jesus as our Savior. The, the transforming is God's part. The renewing of the Spirit, or the renewing of our, of our lives, the renewing of our mind, rather, is our part. The second part of that verse, 
or actually verse 12, says, Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word renew is the Greek word akenosis, and it means to renovate. It means to make something better. Think about an old living room. Say you had an old living room. It's 40 years old. The couch is all worn out. The chairs are all broken. And you say, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to renovate my living room. I'm going to go out and buy new furniture. And I'm going to make everything look beautiful again. So you go out and buy new furniture. Now, here's a question. Do you take that furniture and put it somewhere in the room and keep the old furniture there too? Or do you get rid of the old furniture and put the new furniture in? That's what the renewing of the mind is. It's taking out what doesn't belong there and putting in something that does belong there. Why do we need to renew our minds in the first place? I asked a question before. Why do we need a, a, a spirit? Why do we need to renew our minds? Because, and this is where we can get mixed up now. Be very close, pay very close attention to this because a lot of people get mixed up with this part of the scripture. Because we still have the sin nature. Romans 7, to 24 says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Who said that? Who said that? Starts with a P, ends with an L. There's an A-U in the beginning, in the middle. Paul said that. Paul, the great evangelist, the person that God chose to bring the gospel all through Europe and all through Asia Minor, and he said this about himself. Can you imagine if Paul said that about himself? What must I have to say about myself? I cannot measure up to Paul. I'm not supposed to measure up to Paul anyway. Didn't Paul say, follow me because I'm following Jesus? Right? But think about that. We still have a sin nature. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, we got a spirit that was dead in, that before was dead in trespasses and sin, but we did not lose our sin nature. We're in a battle. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Go to Romans chapter 6, verse 16, please. Romans chapter 6. Oh, I had a thing right there. We are saved. We have a new spirit that we didn't have before. But we have something else, too. We have the sin nature. And we also have the free will. God doesn't want robots. God doesn't want, you know, controlled cars like he does with the, the controls. God
God has given us the free will to do the right thing and to love him because we decide to, not because he forces us to. Look what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servant ye are to sin... Uh, well, let me start that again. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants we are to whom ye obey, whether it be sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now here's the way it works, folks. This is where it could get a little tricky. Do we have a spirit that's, that's, been, that's been quickened by God? Yes, there it is right there. Do we still have a sin nature that's in our flesh? Yes, there it is right there. So God said, I've done this before, I'm sorry. If you've, if you've seen this before, just bear with me. God said, whoever you serve, or whoever, let me put it in the right words, whoever you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you will be. Spirit, flesh. Can a Christian follow the flesh? Can he keep going? Yeah. Can a Christian follow the spirit? Can he keep going? Is it like this, or is it like this? Ow. It's like this. It's a battle. The spirit against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. Now, I'm going to read you a verse. This is where sometimes we get mixed up. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, Know ye this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. When he talks about the body of sin that is going to be destroyed, is he talking about the sin nature? N-O, no. Well, how do we know that? Well, this is where finding out what the true meaning of the word is. He says, our old man is crucified that the body, keep that word in mind, the body of sin might be destroyed. That word body is the Greek word soma. Soma can mean a body. But figuratively, soma or soma can mean a slave. Can mean slavery. What was destroyed when we trusted Christ as our Savior? Not the sin nature, but our servitude to sin that we didn't have any any anything to to defeat because we didn't have a spirit. Now we have a spirit. Verse uh, Romans six six is telling us. We don't have to serve sin because we have a spirit. The spirit is against the flesh. The flesh is against the spirit. True. But we don't have to follow the flesh. But if we didn't have this and all we had was that, what happens? You're going to just keep going that way. But now we have them both. And it's a battle. They fight against each other. And if you want to have victory, you'll follow this guy. And you take this guy and say, go away. But unfortunately, this guy is all around us, isn't he? He's in our hearts. He's in everywhere we look. He's on television. You drive down the highway, you look at the billboards, you see it all over the place. It's all around you. You go to work. You hear people cussing and swearing. You hear people telling dirty jokes. Uh, you got neighbors that don't care about God. You're surrounded by this guy. But you still have this guy. 
and you don't have to follow that guy because you have the power now that you didn't have before. Just like that butterfly, when he came out of his pupae, he had something he didn't have before. He had wings. Well, now, when we trust Christ as our Savior, we have something that we didn't have before. We don't have to be a slave to this guy. We can follow this guy. But God said, if you follow him, I'll let you follow him. I'm not going to force you to follow him. But you have the ability and everything you need to follow him instead of following him. If you follow him, you're not trusting God. Right? We now have a spiritual weapon that we didn't have before. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We don't have to serve sin, folks. Is it possible for a Christian to have victory over sin? Yes. Whose fault is it when we don't have victory over sin? It's our fault. So when we don't have victory over sin, does that mean we've lost our salvation? Of course not. Our sins have been paid for on Calvary. But when we fail and follow this guy, we lose fellowship with God. And God will chasten us if we go too far this way because he wants us to go this way. But he doesn't force us to go that way. He gives us the free will. So, how can we use this new spiritual weapon that we have? First of all, by following the... Now, get this right. doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. The pastor talked about this when he was in, um, in Galatians. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We have that. It's there. But we don't use it. It's right there. We have the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of the person. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit has given us love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's no law on this earth that can stop you from following the fruit of the Spirit. They may try to, but God said the fruit of the Spirit is these things. And we can follow that. We don't have to follow this idiot. We can follow this guy. And the way we do it is by following the fruit of the Spirit, which is in you. You know, some people think, well, yeah, yeah, I have love, I have joy, but I don't have peace. I don't have long-suffering. I don't have faith. I don't have temperance. Yes, you do. You have it because it's the Spirit. It's not you. It's the Spirit. It's right in there. But all you have to do is follow it. And when you don't follow it, you're going to follow him. I should have made this. This is my right hand. This is my left hand. I should have made this the spirit and this the too late. Well, to you, it's, it's right and left, right? You see this as right and that as left. So that's all that matters. And here's another thing that we can do. Put off the old man and put on the new. Ephesians 4.22, that ye put off, put off means to cast away, that we put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. That conversation means behavior, 
the way you lived, not just what you say, it's the way you live. Concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed, there's that word, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on, put on means to clothe yourself, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see many times, and I think I mentioned this before in another message, many times you see in the Bible, put off. But every time you see put off, you follow it down, maybe it's in, sometimes it's in the same verse like here. No, it's not the same verse. Sometimes it's in the same verse, sometimes it's a few verses down. God never says put off without also saying put on. You put off the old bad habits and you put on the fruit of the Spirit. Not that you have to put it on. It's there. But follow it. But here's the problem. Some people want to put off without putting on. And some people want to put on without putting off. The Bible, God never says put off without telling us also to put on. Some people, they want to put off all their bad habits and all the bad things that they did before they were saved, but they don't want to put on. They don't want to follow the fruit of the Spirit. They don't want to serve the Lord. They don't want to come to church every time the doors are open. They don't want to read their Bible. I don't have enough time to read my Bible. They don't want to pray. They don't want to help other people. They want to put off, but they don't want to put on. And some people, it's the other way around. They want to put on without putting off. They want to come to church. They want to read their Bible. They want, to, they want to be here when the doors are open. They want to help other people. But they don't want to put off their bad habits. They don't want to put off the things that God is telling them to put off. And that ain't going to work either, folks. God said, put off and put on. God told me, put off and put on. God told you, put off and put on. Remember that guy in one of the parables that uh, was cleansed of a demon and it went out? And that demon went around, looking around where he could find somewhere else to go. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'm going to go, I'm going to come back to where I was cast out from. And when he came back, he found the house swept clean, but the guy forgot to put on the demon came back in and took with him seven other demons that were worse than himself. Here's an example of a guy who put off without putting on. We have to replace the bad habits with the good. We replace, and the best way to do that, replace the bad habits with the fruit of the Spirit. Do you have love? Do you have joy? Do you have peace? Do you have long-suffering? Do you have gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? You have it. It's already there. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But God wants us to follow the fruit of the Spirit and not follow this guy. I hate him. You know why I hate him? Because he's right in there, and I can't get rid of him. But someday, 
Jesus is going to come back and take us to heaven. And guess what's going to happen to this guy? He's gone. Can you imagine what it will be like to never think of an evil thought, to never sin, to ever not even think about it, to have a glorified body that's perfect? Are you waving bye-bye or do you want to say something? Oh, oh say bye-bye. <laughs> say, I could say bye-bye. Say bye-bye to you. It's gone. That's the glorification. You know, that's part of our salvation. Glorification is the only part of our salvation that hasn't happened yet. Because glorification means this guy right here is gone. You don't have to worry about him anymore. Now, all these things that I said tonight, you can have them. Anybody that's online, you can have it. If you trust Christ as your Savior, all this stuff that we talked about tonight can be yours. But it can't be yours until you trust Christ as your Savior, until you're saved. Jesus said, ye must be born again. And if you're not born again, you're going to be subject to the judgment of God. God loves you, but he also has to judge your sin. If you don't let him judge your sin on the body of Jesus Christ on the cross and trust in that and say, ah, I'm okay. I'm all set. How many times have you heard that? I'm all set. Try to give somebody a track. They say, oh, that's all right. I don't need that. I'm all set. Is he all set? No, he's not all set. If he doesn't have Jesus as his Savior, he's not all set. He's headed for a godless eternity. They all think, oh, when I get to hell, I'll be with all my buddies and we can have beer and we can, we can sing and we have a lot of fun. No, you won't. Sometimes they say, when I stand before God, I'm going to tell him, you did the wrong thing. No, you won't. You're going to be right there on your knees. Every knee shall bow and every mouth shall proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even the ones that don't love him now, they will. But you need to trust Christ as your Savior. Without Jesus, you can't do any of this stuff. Without Jesus, you can't be transformed. Without Jesus, you can't renew your mind. It's in the mind, folks. The ability is there. You're not a slave to sin anymore. You have the ability to follow him instead of him. If you follow him, it's because you want to follow him. If you follow him, it's because you want to follow him, because God helps you. He gives you. He has given you everything you need to follow him. You don't have to follow him. You're not a slave to him anymore. Before you were, now you're not. When I think about that, it just, it just, it's beyond my comprehension. Do you ever try to think about God? I'll close with this. Do you ever try to think about what God, what God is like? Is there a word in the English language or any other language that is strong enough to describe God? Sometimes I sit in my chair and I say, just can't fathom you, God. That's why I love that song, The Wonder of It All. The wonder of it all, because that's that's the way I think. That's the way we have to think. The wonder of it all that God loves me. It's it, it just it's just beyond my imagination. It's beyond my capacity to understand. Uh, but when we get to heaven, the Bible says we shall see him as he is, and we will know him. 
we will understand him, and we will come up with a word, if there is a word, to describe God. We will see him as he is, and we will know him. But until then, we have to try to do these things that we, that we spoke about tonight. Let's pray. Father, we just pray now that you would help us. Lord, you have given us everything we need to have victory in our lives. And if we fail, it's because we are not trusting you. We have the fruit of the Spirit within us. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We have a spirit that's been quickened, that was dead in trespasses and sin. It's all we need. You've done everything that would be necessary for us. If we fail, it's our fault. It's not yours. So help us, Lord, to be faithful and to follow the fruit of the Spirit and to cast off, put off the old man and put on the new man. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.